How's everybody doing? Well, since Scott's not here, <laughs> let's uh-oh. talk about it. <laughs> and now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Hello. Hey. Thanks, What's up? All right, we can't talk about him anymore. Shh. Oh Jesus. <laughs> I killed the conversation. Well, it's. <laughs> Scott Gardner, conversation killer. What are we? Uh, are we going to be on the YouTube's now? Maybe. All by himself. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need to put some pants on for this. <laughs> Why should this be different than any other any other podcast? Keep him off. <laughs> What's up, be, fellas? I would just be happy if you have underwear on this time. <laughs> No promises. You finished uh, Stargirl yet? How's it going, fellas? Good. Uh, Good. I have not. You schmuck. <laughs> well, I was going to do it, and then I see Andy went and put a Stargirl I was going to say, don't bother now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, don't, hey don't blame him. He, that guy watched it in four days. You've had, like, four months. The problem is, I can't ever get the TV all to myself. Oh, That's please. my problem. Are you not the man of your house? The, the, wait, wait, you wait, a wait, man wait. or a mouse? You've been, you guys have been married. You know, you know what the deal is. That's Don't why I shit. have my own TV, you knucklehead. You got a computer? I told you you could watch it on the CW. No, I, have, I have more TVs um, in my house no, than you could shake what? a stick at. You guys have been here. No, but I mean, I, stuff like that I want to watch, you know, on the on the main system with the surround sound and everything. So. You're getting old and you can't see and you can't hear anyway. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I'm yelling at you like I yell at the guys at work because they're both younger than me. I can get away with it now. <laughs> they're 40. <laughs> Whippersnappers. Like that gene. This will be the uh, seventh year in a row. I've turned 39. <laughs> I wish it was the seventh year. I <laughs> 39. Hey, Jack Benny had a good idea. I'm just this, taking it. This, this would have been the 18th year that I turned 39. <laughs> uh, oh, God. What, 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 they're like... Uh, Jesus Christ. Down boy. <laughs> it's, it's like... Oh, I'm podcasting now, so it's a kitchen magnet. Let's go jibber-jabber in the kitchen. (laughs) 
What do you got? You got uh, Jawas around there or what? Yeah. Udini! I wish I had Jawas. Then I could just kick their asses out in the yard. Get in your f- sand crawler. Get out of here. Well, I'm going to have to get my hair cut now. Uh-oh. Well, they opened the haircut thing back at the back at the ho- hospital again, so I got no excuse. Oh. I just cut my own hair. Yeah, Gene, we meant to talk to you about that. <laughs> well, when you just... When you're going to cut it down to an eighth of an inch, regardless, just doesn't really matter. Yeah, you'll find. <laughs> it's not like I'm going into fun far. <laughs> you'll find that you don't want to cut your hair that close over time because it may not want to come back. That happened That's... the last time I got a flat top. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> I got less hair up there than I thought. Yeah, and it, it took a it, real long time to grow back. That's not because you cut it short. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the amount hey, of hair you have. So you can try and live, hide that by making it long. You live in your illusion, Stalin head. I live in my illusion. Okay? <laughs> you're, so you're on Talos 4 of hair. <laughs> and, they did, and they had no idea what a human looked like. So this is what they. This is what so they, they made, made me. <laughs> Get a load of me. Now, if oh, they had no idea what a be. human looked like, other than the fact that they had asses on the back of their heads, they did have normal human bodies without hunchbacks, didn't no, they? Wait a minute. Okay, don't they have the power to read people's minds and generate fantasies from the minds? And weren't they? St- I never thought of this until yeah. now. Weren't they studying? Like what was go- going on? They're like, mm, interesting, interesting. So couldn't they see from the woman's own mental picture of herself prior to the accident what a human being looked like? So I called b- on that whole but episode. Even if they couldn't, even if she was in some sort of a coma where there was no, you know, no ability to read her mind, you don't know what they look like. So do you make her body back in a symmetrical fashion, oh, much, like, much like your own, or do you make her like Quasimodo? <laughs> ah, let's put a lump of clay over here. I, let's I put, think let's that, put her ass I, on her shoulder. I think that that episode clearly demonstrates that the Telosians are f- So <laughs> it's not that they didn't know what she looked like. It's that the three of them stood around and said, Dude, what about if we put her ass on her back? And Do you have like, any idea how bored they were for right, how long? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, wow, we... Erector set. Let's have fun. I mean, they were probably exactly. pretty bored because they read this comic. Oh, oh! <laughs> so, have I given something away? Oh, I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, oh don't don't start this again. Like last, I, I'm not saying it was good. I just didn't think it was that bad. Oh, what? You don't like Andy Rooney? <laughs> oh, I, I don't. I don't. I couldn't even be bothered with after the main story. And it's one of it's one of my problems with all of these issues is that all they were were regular sized stories in annual issues that then they padded up with other shit. Added them out. Did yep. you read yep. that Acts of Vengeance thing? It was like they just recapped the entire Acts of Vengeance storyline and called it an epilogue. Well, essentially, yeah, but that's I'm guessing that's for the people that couldn't buy all the issues. Were, so I guess. They, this was, oh, well, you know, I, I bought this one, this one, and this one. Oh, Captain America did that, and the West Coast Avengers did okay, this. But, oh, I didn't know that. Didn't they skip over the, like, most important part of that? What, paying the money for the extra books? No, where, um, <laughs> where doesn't Magneto 
in Kate or like lock the Red Skull up underground? Well, look, they they mentioned that oh well suddenly Magneto stopped coming to the meetings because he found out that the Red Skull was a Nazi. Yeah. As, as soon as he found that out, it's like oh really? And what did <laughs> and he, he replace him with a robot? No, I think the Red Skull replaced himself because he's no. he probably had some kind of intel on Magneto and said, oh. I'm going to be in a room with him. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. Yeah, but they had the Red Skull robot. Mm-hmm. So and did Magneto encase the real Red Skull? I don't know. Don't no, know. because Cap said yeah, at the end, I went to- went to D.C. to talk to the supposedly, the man who claims to be the real Red Skull. Because uh. that's... That's after, I was skimming through that. That was way too wordy for me to read. This, this, this was after after the skull cloned Steve Rogers' body, correct? And put his brain into the clone yes. body? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Well, okay. Too safe, <laughs> well. <sighs> that happens right, ar- right around 350. I forget the exact number when that happens, but yeah, that happens. Doesn't during it the- happen often that the Red Skull goes in somebody else's body or somewhere? In yeah. Something. Yeah. Oh, I'm in a cosmic cube. Oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm in Steve well, Rogers. They, the problem was is that in addition to continually killing him, you also had to explain, you know, how he was able to to keep up with Captain America, despite the fact that he wasn't, well, I mean, he did skip over decades as well, you know, like Cap did, but not quite in the same way, but mm. yeah. Yeah. And before Sentinel of Liberty, he, the, the Red Skull wasn't a superhuman. He was just a super Nazi, but he wouldn't, he didn't have super strength or anything. Right. Yeah. But one, once he had that, that four issue miniseries, then you end up with what happened in the first Avenger, where he was he was the Nazi super soldier, right? Which I like better personally, but so so do I. Yeah, for the longest time he was just he was just a regular dude in a mask. You know, the yeah. skull wasn't even his real face; it was a mask that he you know an affectation. But eventually, something I forget what something happened to him and and made his head like do like a you know like a combination of like a like a head shrink and a and like Mm. one of those shrinky dink things and that became (laughs) his actual head he had it was like the end of beetlejuice yes he had a bad chemical peel at a day spa that damn it he's an (laughs) x again (laughs) (laughs) trying to find just based on cover images alone i'm trying to find when that happened is it 300? Maybe it's 300. Because I knew it was like a special issue, like a milestone yeah. issue. I think maybe it's 300 where uh, yeah. he, he cloned Captain America's body and, uh, and became, I, I forget. It's, yeah. it's somewhere in that Grunewald run, though. So we should talk some Avengers, though. Otherwise yeah, probably. We'll, otherwise, it's going to be like, all right, I'm going to bed and we haven't gotten to the book yet. <laughs> And, and I hate editing the shoot the shit episodes because it's like I never know what to leave in. Yeah. We all still here? Yep. Yep. I'm here. All right. <clears throat> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. 
I am Paul Spitero, and today we are covering the final part of the Terminus, whatever it is, the Terminus thing, Factor. So today I am joined by Scott Gardner, who is choosing to remain silent. I was on mute. Hello! (laughs) And Dr. Bill Robinson, who is also choosing to remain mute. What? No! Who has nothing important to say? <laughs> no, no, no. No, wait. <laughs> you made me think I was on mute. <laughs> no, you're on <Bastard>. mute. <laughs> we are once again joined by Mr. Gene Hendricks, who uh, has forced his way into the room because Quasar is in this book. Quasar and Thor. You can't get rid of me now. <laughs> so this this is the final part, the fifth part of the story that we did not plan to do. And it is in Avengers Annual, Volume 1, Number 19. So what did we have? We had Captain America Annual, Iron Man Annual, West Coast Avengers Annual. Oh, you missed Thor. We had Cap- Thor Annual, Iron that's Man the one Thor, I missed. The big three. And then uh, West Coast, and then you know Avengers proper. So this is the final part, and I will read the uh, Marvel Wiki synopsis quickly. Oh, really? Well, because we're going to go through it page by page, are we not? That's true. Well, I mean, there's really not much to synopsize. But I mean, it it is a short. It is a short synopsis. Why are you busting my chops? You don't bring me synopses anymore. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Bill is talking and Scott is singing. <laughs> Something is wrong here. It's a madhouse! The world is turned upside down. Dogs and cats living together. So, this issue uh, sports a cover by Tom Morgan, which shows Thor, Captain America, and Quasar all. Uh, rushing towards the giant Terminus thingy. And in between very the Terminus's legs... It is very Simonson-esque, yes. I, I, I had to look to see if it was him, uh, but it really is... I don't think it's as good as Simonson, but it's no, definitely it like in his just style. No, a couple things, and then, then when you take it all, all in, you're like, ah. Then when you read the whole book, you're kind of like, oh, wow, too bad he didn't do the rest of the book. So here's here's a, a uh, here's I, a sentence to take out of context for out of context theater. In between Terminus's legs is the St. Louis Arch. <laughs> but now, I came in late to this thing because you guys did what two? Of we these did one or I two t- without you. One yeah. or two. I'm not sure. And so you know, I, I wasn't part of those recordings, and and those episodes weren't released yet when we recorded my first. You know, joining you for the coverage on this. So I wasn't aware that you guys had horribly slagged poor Tom Morgan well, in one or both of those earlier episodes. And I just I just wanted to rush to his defense. I like Tom Morgan. I like him a lot. And, uh, and well, I no, no, no one has ever you said you have good taste. Oh. Well, after seeing the art and issues, this issue, I was like, wow, maybe Tom Morgan wasn't so bad after all. <laughs> We, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And I'm not telling you I'm going to disagree with you on that. Uh, 
But anyway, well, one of the uh, one of the earliest books I ever covered on this show was uh, was art by Tom Morgan. I, I've I've long had a soft spot for him. I mean, I don't think he's you know one of the greats. Don't get me wrong, but I, I like him a lot. I, he's always one of those that's that struck me as. You know, with a little more refinement, this guy could be big. You know, he could be one of the superstars kind of thing. Did the doctor recommend that you wear a helmet for that? Oh. The, you know, the soft spot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this story is, or the main story, the continuation of the one that we've been doing, because I'm not going to, we're not going to cover the uh, peripherals. There's four stories in here. We're covering one of them. Uh, and right off the bat, that annoys me about annuals. I want annuals to be big and, Bill, be ready to be cute. I want them to be bombastic. Mr. Bombastic, fantastic, Mr. Lava Lava. And when you just put a regular-sized story in, a, in an annual and then just beef it up with other crap, to me that, that kind of takes away some of the uh, effect. But but the people that actually wrote three, a couple of the other small stories, McDuffie, Grunewald, and Busiek, yeah, I know. I mean, they weren't. The, I mean, I was like, mm, but yeah, still, they're, they're, they're not pikers, but still. Anyway, uh, the title of this story is "Beat Me in St. Louis," which also could be taken out of context. Uh, <laughs> it's written by Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas, who I believe is Danny Thomas, who is uh, his wife, I believe, at the time. Uh, really, I thought yeah, he was still with the Shriners. She's still his wife. Yeah. So you said? Okay. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, I didn't think they were still married, but okay. It's penciled by Herb Trimpey, inked by Jeff Albrecht, uh, colored by Paul Beckton, lettered by Rick Parker, and edited by Howard Mackey. And the Wikipedia synopsis goes as follows. Merged with his offspring, the Termini, Terminus is now a 300-foot colossus bent on destroying the Earth, and the Avengers East and West teams join forces with the self-appointed Great Lakes Avengers to combat him, but to no avail. Meanwhile, Thor, his hammer incorporated into the body of the monstrous menace, has been left adrift in space. Reaching a small planetoid, the Thunder God recites Asgardian runes, reactivating the spell which makes Mjolnir always return whence it was thrown, and Terminus is pulled off the Earth with several Avengers in tow. The alien giant's lance is also his means of locomotion. So when the heroes rested away... in a brand new dance now. <laughs> I thought you were going to miss that for a minute. I was a little disappointed. So when the heroes rested away and hurl it into deep space, Terminus is forced to feed on his own energies to sustain, sustain himself and sw swiftly implodes. Fortunately, Thor's hammer escapes the resulting black hole enabling the Asgardian Avenger to transport his teammates home. Yay! Now, wait, before we jump into this, Scott, I have a question. You being, uh, I would say, the resident Superman expert? Uh-huh. Okay. So Thor sings a song or does a chant or whatever and gets his... Uh, the first thing that I started to think was Superman in... Uh, what was Final, it? Final Crisis. Final Crisis, where he sings oh, a song. And oh, no, no, no. See, I, I, I had that part of my memory surgically removed so that I would never recall that ridiculous, stupid Morrison shit again. They cut into, the, they cut into his back. soft spot to take it out. Oh. But is that where he came up with that, or did Superman this in the past have this super singing? That. 
No, 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 Here, no, no. Here's how this Grant Morris came up with that. that. He put a lot of drugs in something and then injected it into himself, and that's how he came up with I that. I don't know if it's much was, how he comes up with everything that he writes. If in the Silver Age, Superman or the Golden or whatever, Superman did a thing where he oh, had okay. sig- super Seriously, singing power. No. So maybe no. I was like, I'm like, wow, maybe Morrison got the, the idea from this singing and you know, whatever. I was like, hmm. Right, that, all I can no. do is picture Thor as yodeling on the ass. Yeah, that's that's kind of <laughs> what I, I I saw pictures of Thor and I heard Slim Whitman. <laughs> it's it's Indian love call. Oh God. Cola. <laughs> Actually, he was doing the yodeling from The Price Is Right. <laughs> But if and you, Terminus fell off the cliff. <laughs> if you flip to page 18, where Thor, the very first panel, it has those rune symbols coming out of Thor's mouth. If you're able to translate those, it actually says, Ricola! Uh, you need to make up some letters because they're not all runes. <laughs> some of them are, a lot of them are not. I thought maybe he was singing some heavy metal. He's belted him out there. For, ah! So why don't, why, don't we, why don't we stop breaking this down from the beginning? And and I'll I'll take well actually let's let's just go over some basic thoughts on this one first. Uh, I except for the, the the singing aspect of it, I kind of liked the story. I thought it was pretty engaging, and I thought it was a good conclusion overall. You know, it it followed up on the uh, the fact that the hammer was there, and it, it made sense. It gave them a way to defeat Terminus, but it did so without really decreasing his level of threat, which I appreciate. I don't like when all of a sudden they turn, you know, the giant threat into a nothing. Uh, you know, they really weren't able to defeat him on their own, so I kind of like that. That said, I really, and I, you know I'm a Herb Trimpey supporter. I do not like the art in this book. I don't like the art. I don't like the inking. I don't like the coloring. So it's the trifecta. Hmm. But uh, I don't know if you guys have any, any thoughts on any of that that you want to share before we start paging through it. Nah, we'll come um, a, I'll come. I'll point out some examples as we get to them. I mean, like, the first two pages aren't bad. But that next page, what the heck kind of face is that on Hank Pym? I mean, I've seen I'm some not, anime characters making that face. He looks yeah, like he could have come out of Dragon Ball Z. Familiar with Jeff Albrecht, but I, I gotta I gotta think that I hate to say the blame, but that's what I'm gonna say. The blame for the artwork in this has gotta fall on him because I don't see a whole lot of trimpy. There's there there are some aspects of it, but I, I think that Albrecht's inks are really overpowering the trimpy in this. Maybe trimpy just did loose breakdowns or something. I really I, don't, I don't know. disagree with you. I, I think you may be right about that. But when I look at the layouts, I don't think the layouts are all that great. Yeah. So, no, so I, it's kind of, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, well, either, either, either way, I'm not happy with the art in this. No. And the, I have, the, the, I the have, a, go ahead, Scott. <laughs> No, I was just gonna say I, I have a feeling that the problem with this is that I don't think Roy Thomas slacked off 
thinking that oh this is just an annual story i mean he seems like he's he's bringing you know his his normal style to this but i almost wonder when it comes to the art department and i thought this for some of the prior chapters of this too that it suffers from annualitis you know where where a lot of times with the annuals particularly marvel annuals it always seems like that quite often you know, either they they didn't bring the A team. You know, a lot of times they would use the annuals almost like a tryout book, or if they did bring the A team, the A team didn't bring their A game. So that I think this is a, an example of that. I just don't feel like uh, the artists on this one are necessarily bringing their best stuff. And again, I'm not terribly familiar with Jeff Albrecht, but I mean, I'm I feel like at this point, you know, with all the stuff we've done you know, over the years on this show that I'm pretty familiar with Herb Trimpey and my estimation of Herb Trimpey has actually gone up a lot since doing back to the bins. So, you know, I'm no longer the, the Trimpey, you know, I no longer look at a Trimpey project or, or open up the, a book and look at the credits and go, Oh God, Herb Trimpey. I, and now I kind of look forward to Herb Trimpey because I've gotten to kind of really kind of dig his style. And this just, it just isn't good Herb Trimpey, honestly. So, yeah. Yeah, well, this is, this uh, I'm is you know, later in his career, like too. So yeah. it's not as uh, not as crisp as what he did when he was younger. Yeah, 90s Herb Trimpey right. is definitely not great. In fact, I would actually tell you, do not ever look at the Star Blast miniseries. Done. That it, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you think this is bad, Herb Trimpey... Holy crap, that is uh, uh, her mainlining 90s in Star Blast. And that's only three years after this. It's and not the, good. Not the, good thing about, the thing about, uh, about Trimpey, too, you know, having met him, uh, is I really do think he's a gentleman, or was a gentleman. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I hate having to criticize people who I personally find to be you know, very, very pleasant. And and when I met Herb Trimpey, I thought he was just really such a nice guy uh, that it bothers me to criticize his artwork. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I still try to stay true to what I'm looking at, and, and this is not good Trimpey. That's, I mean, I, like I said, even, even if we accept the idea that he just did some rough, uh, you know, rough penciling here uh, and, and layouts, I don't think the layouts are that good. So... The story opens up. Uh, the terminus. It's it's a two-page uh, opening th- shot because the very first page is just a kind of a title page. Uh, so then the two-page shot has the ter- at the bottom panel has the terminus in St. Louis, while the West Coast Avengers, along with Machine Man and Hercules, are are headed east towards St. Louis, and the Avengers proper are with. Quasar and Cersei are headed west towards St. Louis so that they can converge on the Terminus. Uh, and, and like you said, Bill, I think that is not a bad page or, you know, two pages. Mm-hmm. I, I think that kind of gave me a uh, an expectation that the art was going to be at a better level. Although, is in in the upper left panel, is Iron Man's armor drawn properly there? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, it doesn't look quite. It just the doesn't co- look right. The coloring right. and everything just looks. The coloring, to me. yeah. And I don't know because he did go through so many different variations on the armor 
that I wasn't sure if maybe I was just getting it wrong, you know, that I didn't have Well, right and Simon time. Williams suddenly aged a lot. Yeah, he's got white hair. Yeah. Yeah, normally yeah. Paul Beckton is a much better colorist than this. Oh, yeah, no, I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't, I didn't find any aspect of the artwork to be truly engaging here. Uh, so, the, you know, then we, we cut to the, uh, I guess this is the West Coast team head, heading east, and uh, they're all discussing thing. Hercules is basically giving his photographic memory uh, <laughs> and, and reciting what ter- the Terminus said word for word. Uh, Hawkeye apparently put on his uh, mask with the giant wings on it. <laughs> Either that, or he's like really having some bad, some, some bad sushi before they left. I don't know what's going on with his face. Too much and, starch. And, and Hank Pym and Hank Pym went out with his especially cartoony face on. <laughs> Level nine thousand. Oh, sorry. Looks like he's. I'm telling you, looks like a, he looks like an anime character. <laughs> his hair isn't standing straight up. Well, that's true. And, uh, yeah, the next page, uh, what, 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 uh, what is Quasar? Quasar really looks weird. <laughs> I mean, is he looking at Captain Marvel's butt? I mean, what is he doing there? It, it looks like he was flying in one direction and suddenly said, no, I'm going to dive now. Whoa! What? Ah, oh, see him, you're there. Oh, yeah, and Cersei's face does not look good. Maybe that's because she's flying so fast, the wind's blowing her face, you know, skin back. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's just so many things in this that just... If the art just kept pulling me out of the story, personally. Now, just from a, from a story point of view, isn't Captain Marvel slash Photon slash uh, whatever other name she's gone by... Uh, isn't she like able to travel at the speed of light? She does not. say something of that she had just changed. Yeah. That's later in the story. She says like, "Oh, I'm not sure what my power limits are." Because I thought the very same thing. Why is she flying with them? She should have just zipped on over and been, you know, and saw what was going on, and then came back to them. Yeah, she had lost her powers and then gotten them back, and they're different. So I. I don't think she can actually transform into energy anymore. Mm-hmm. She can manipulate energy and use, you know, somewhat with the flight, with flight and everything, but she can't become light and just be there. Yeah, it's kind of a cheat as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. If we well, if a character is too powerful, they're not interesting, right? Yeah, that's true. I guess. Or it means the writer has to actually think of stories to write. Right. Scott, were you trying trying to say something just then? Yeah, um, I just realized we, we I don't have a whole lot of notes on this issue, but I had a big one early on that I, I missed my opportunity to jump in on it. Oh, on, the, on opening the two page splash here, where you've got the the name of the story and the, and the credits and all that. In the narration box there with uh, with the Terminus creature, it, ta- it basically recaps what's going on up to this point, like why he's doing what he's doing. And it says, because the Celestials destroyed the races which created your kind, you are to annihilate any people or planets which have been spared by that world uh, by that world judging clan, talking about the Celestials. And that got me to thinking about 
that whole situation with the Eternals and everything and with the the Celestials coming down and I forget the, the name of the actual Celestial, the one that does the judging that, you know, that stands and, and observes. What's that? Fred. What'd you I'll say? Listen. Fred. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's one of them that, you know, the, I think he's the red one. The big red one comes down and watches a planet. And, and in this case with Earth, it was going to be for 50 years. He was going to uh, stand and watch and observe the Earth for 50 years and then render a judgment. And I remember thinking as I was reading the Eternals that, hey, that's kind of cool because here in not too much longer, it would be 50, you know, in real time would be 50 years since that story was published. And, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, if you know, I know Marvel, you know, the Marvel Universe doesn't move in real time. But if, you know, we actually got to that point where, OK, it's time for him to, to render his judgment. But, um that series ended with no resolution to that storyline. And well, so didn't they didn't they render their resolution in Thor? Yeah. See that that was going to be my question is is what you know what happened with all of that you know where where did that all get resolved if it ever got resolved because this is making it sound like it did get resolved and the and the judgment from the Celestials was that they decided to to spare the Earth. Yeah, I if I remember was, right, there was there was an issue where Fred the Celestial was in Thor, and he uh, he he like stood there for a while, and then he gave like a thumbs up. Well, I think it was it was Thor. <laughs> hey, <laughs> pulled out his leather jacket. Uh, it was Thor three hundred, I believe. Didn't uh, we do the, Didn't we cover that one with yeah. Tom Harris? Because Odin Odin had pulled the spirits yeah. of all the Asgardians into the Destroyer. And then the destroyer oh, no. used the Odin sword to fight the Celestials. That was Arishim. Uh, Arishim the Judge. Arishim. Well, oh, yes, I thought it was Fred. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Fred Armishin. And, and, that, and then, then, did, then did he put on the Odin ring and, and have the Odin sleep? In well, the Odin onesie. After that. In the Odin onesie in the Odin race car bed. After right. a little while, Stan Lee got a little silly with all the Odin things. Mm-hmm. This is my Odin bed, and this is my Odin. These onesie. are my these are my pajamas with the Odin trapdoor. <laughs> so, so moving on in that story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so while our two main Avengers teams are racing towards uh, the terminus. Uh, Mockingbird, along with the Great Lakes Avengers, is there to uh, distract him for a little while. Now, does anybody know, because I don't, what the circumstance is that Mockingbird finds herself with them? Oh, so long. I know she had been having problems with Hawkeye. Was this after uh, he found out that she had killed, what was it, uh, Phantom Phantom Rider? Rider? In the past? Phantom Rider, Knight Rider, Ghost Rider? Yeah. I think this is after that, and they were having they were having a rocky point. Yeah, well, it, um, what was it? Page nine, when Hawkeye shows up and says, oh, yeah, don't, I just called you to delay him. No, don't, don't, you did a great job. <laughs> She's accusing him of saying that he's going to take credit for training them, too. 
So it sounds like those, Hawkeye and Mockingbird were sent to train them, and then Hawkeye said, oh, I can form the West Coast Avengers now. Bye. I want to say that no, might have been in Solo Avengers, but I don't. Yeah. Oh, could be. I yeah. have a complete run of that and have never cracked the cover on a, on a single issue of it yet. One of these ah. days, got to get around to it. Yeah, I can't say I've read any of those either, but I mean, West Coast Avengers predates Great Lakes Avengers. Yeah, I I'm no. just going by what the text in here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, but I, I, I get the feeling that she may like the situation just from reading this. Uh, that I'm starting to think is that she feels she was just every bit as instrumental in developing the West Coast team as he was, but because he set himself up as the leader, you know, he's taken all the credit and just made her, you know, kind of be his peon. And now she feels like he's doing the same thing here. Oh, you send us out to just be cannon fodder so that you can take the glory kind of thing. That's so, that's the way I read this. Something I'm noticing with the art, uh, like on the first two panels at the beginning and on this one with uh, Terminus hovering over St. Louis, is that a lot of the cityscapes in the background look like Etch-A-Sketch art. <laughs> like if you look... Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, seriously, that's all I can relate it to. Well, it, it looks, it looks like it's traced off of a photo, and then because you only get one color, mm-hmm. it, that's how it, it. You're right. It looks exactly like an etch a sketch. Well, I, mean, I think that the, if, if you want to give them credit, which I'm not sure that I want to, but I'm just trying to, you know, devil's advocate. I, I think they're trying to create the look of like the cityscape at night where you would wouldn't really see the fine details. All you'd see is kind of the, the silhouettes with some, mm. you know, some, some lights. Maybe. You know, at least it has to be late afternoon because it's, it's uh, the, the East coast team is heading into the sunset. So, so that yeah, true. that would make sense. Now, now, uh, in on that page, the shot of Mister Immortal like dropping himself down in front of uh, Terminus's face—that's not badly drawn. Mm. Uh, and I do like the fact that Mister Immortal gets sl- splatted by, <laughs> by by the Terminus. But you know, I mean, it's awful convenient that the one character that that can't die is the one who gets killed. You know, so that he could just resurrect immediately. But you know, I, I kind of, I kind of accept that in my mind because I'm thinking, well, since he knows that's his superpower, he doesn't do as much to protect himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he purposely gets into Precisely. those situations. Yeah. So then, while while that's going on, the uh, rest of the West Coast Avengers with the. Uh, What's his name? The Captain, I guess he was going by at this point. Uh, uh, US that's U.S. Agent. U.S. Yeah. Agent. Yeah. He's looking kind of Simeon-like in that shot. Just the way his arms are and everything. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Even, even he's kind of hunched it looks over. He like looks like a silverback gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, you know, hey, maybe you guys shouldn't be arguing because we got to protect the Earth, blah, blah, blah. Vision comes out. Now, what what do you guys think of the all-white version of the Vision? Well, this is after he got uh, torn apart in West Coast Avengers. Mm-hmm. I think that was when Byrne was doing it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you, what do you think of the character point. model? I have a sentimental soft spot for it because as a prior owner of the uh, four-player version of uh, you know the arcade game Captain America Avengers, he was one of the characters. He was one of the four characters. And he was kind of a badass. So uh, for for that reason, uh, you know, for really that being the main reason, I've always kind of liked him. But I like the idea that he was more um, more machine like. He was more logical. More he wasn't than man. sentimental. <laughs> yeah, this. Uh, Would you is... say? So he's more machine than man. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I see. The thing is, to me, he his. I I I always like the character, of the Vision. I think it, they've they've done a lot of different things with personality changes and things that have, that have been intriguing to me. Uh, but I don't like this look because to me it looks too much like the Silver Surfer. Mm. Hmm. Uh, this this was the Vision that I was actually introduced to. The the first Avengers issue I ever had was one of the Acts of Vengeance tie-ins where they were under, uh, where they're in Avengers Park. Used to be the sub-floors of Avengers Mansion, and this was the Vision that was involved in that. And that's the... I knew that he had a previous thing, as they mentioned, you know, a previous incarnation. They mentioned it in that issue. But I only know the more emotional, multicolored Vision from back issues. This is the one I... I started reading and moving forward. So I actually prefer this version. Yeah, up until uh, honestly it wasn't until his his portrayal in the MCU movies, you know, with Paul Bettany playing him and everything that I really kind of understood the more emotional vision. Uh I always, you know, preferred this iteration of him in the comics, you know, the the white you know, the white version, the ghostly looking version, only because, you know, growing up, I never understood the other vision. You know, he was he there was great emphasis put on the fact that he was a machine, yet he just acted like a regular person. And I thought I always found that really strange. I just didn't quite get it. You know, there's that that famous final splash. I think it's a full splash page in one of the issues where. He's sitting in a chair and kind of leaning his, his head on his hand, I think, and like a tears running down his face, and it says that was something about very like, very early it, in his existence. That was yeah. probably I think he was in I think he was introduced in Avengers fifty seven, and that's like maybe two or three issues later. Yeah, and it, it's it's a beautiful piece of art, and as I remember, the story is pretty good. But despite that being iconic. I never got it. I would just look at that and go, well, that's silly. Why? He's a robot. You know, I, I found it just as silly as like when C-3PO cries in an issue of Star Wars. You know, I, I just <laughs> thought it was kind of ridiculous. Now, you know, having seen it actually portrayed, you know, very, very well on the big screen. Now I kind of get it a little bit more, you know, so it makes a little bit more sense. So now I'm not as, you know, married to this version of, you know, the, the, you know the white emotionless, but I still kind of like that better. I just I, you know if you're gonna make a character a machine, then make him machine like. You know what is the point of of making him and, and emphasizing that he was a machine if he's just gonna be one of the Joes? You know, so I I, I kind of like this version. 
Um, the only See, I, thing that that ever really bugged me, you know, beyond that with the character is that um, they just seem to kind of drop uh, the whole thing with him and Wanda. And I and I liked, I, I thought that there was a great opportunity to kind of make there more tension in the relationship because, you know, that was her husband and, you know, you want to see them together and that sort of thing. And, you know, him maybe trying to find his lost humanity to reunite. And and, and to my mind, anyway, I don't recall them ever really going in that direction. It was almost like it was used as an out to do away with their marriage so that she could fool around with other characters. That's kind of how it felt at the time. See, I, I, you know, grew up with the vision that strove to be more human like at all times. And then I, I almost felt like they, I almost felt like the character of Data on TNG was uh, inspired by him. So, I, I don't know. It's I guess it's all what you... A, a lot of this stuff, I think, is dependent on when you were introduced to the character and, and what your thought process was then, because I think your introduction is always, almost always your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So, we will see. Uh, so then, you know, ultimately they decide we can't sit around here debating Avengers Attack, which I, I, I don't like that. It's Avengers Assemble. Mm-hmm. But we, we get a, uh, a a splash poster page of them heading towards the uh, reader uh, with interesting choice that Cersei is front and center. Because I, you know, I never thought she was that significant of a character. Uh, and... You know, it's a poster image, but not particularly dynamic as far as I'm concerned. It's just, you know, all of them in the air. What do you think? Uh, Machine Man looks like a dork. (laughs) He looks like he's about to belly flop into a pool. He's like, he's got dirt face. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, I mean, Iron Man, maybe he is colored correctly unless, you know, his back is all gold and we just never see his back, like, comparing him to this one from the front page from the front panel and, and at least Simon Williams' hair is the right color. Uh, it's alright. Yeah, it's uh, it's good in that they're all in different poses. You know, normally you would see everyone doing a Superman pose, but everyone's got their arms and legs in different positions which may, and they all look fairly decent while flying. It's just, it is just not quite there. <laughs> so then we cut to Thor in outer space. What hast space, thou space, done, space. son of Odin? But thou knowest full well, dost thou not? In sooth eh? thou hast gambled thy world's very life. And if thou dost lose thy gamble, not all the fountains of eternity will wash the stain of murderous guilt off thy hands. And I got to tell you, as as a young reader, when I first started doing it, I hated the Shakespearean speak for Thor. Oh, I love it. I, I, got, love I it. got a little bit more accepting of it as I got older, and then you know, then it got to the point where it didn't really matter to me one way or the other. But this just seems to be overdone to me. Now, I'll you give you that, it, so, but I think all yeah. the I think all the dialogue in this is overdone. Now, don't get me wrong; I love Roy Thomas, but sometimes, you know, dude, just you know, it, it, it's a little much. You know, the, the, there's 
there's a lot of superfluous dialogue uh, throughout this entire issue. And I understand it's, you know, part of it's his age, part of it's, you know, that he's, a, a, you know, a, a student of Stan Lee and everything. But, yeah, it's it's very unnecessarily wordy. You know, Roy, it's, it's Roy likes the prose. Things. Yeah, yeah, he really does. Mm-hmm. And normally, you know, with something like, say, All-Star Squadron, I kind of dig that because you go in knowing that that's what you're going to get. But with this... I don't know. It's just it, it was a little bit much, you know, where where everybody's got to talk, you know, and everybody's got an opinion and everybody's got something. to And it's like, can we just keep it moving? You know, because that was a lot of my problem with this is that I felt like the superfluous dialogue just drug it down. Um, but here this is my other big note on this one was. Why exactly did Thor remove the enchantments from his hammer? I, I didn't understand how that plays into his thinking or into. Did he do that when he was uh, fighting him? So when he was fighting Terminus, I don't remember. No, according to the the dialogue that Hercules has in this issue, because I didn't, I didn't read the Thor issue. Uh, he did it before they went to fight Terminus. So yes, he, yeah. he had Thor's some idea that, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to become important later if I can't use all my enchantments right now. But Thor's not the one that put but the enchantments how? on the hammer to begin with. Yes. So how can yeah, was my other thing. So I, my, my thing is kind of a two-part thought. For My first part of it was... Why did he do it? But then the bigger conversation is, uh, is that even a thing? Because you're Ow. right, Bill. He didn't put the enchantment on there. So is I'm wondering, is there precedent for this in Thor? Because I've read a lot of Thor at this point, and I don't remember him ever having that ability before. And I can think of a lot of storylines where that could have come in kind of handy if he yeah. If he did have the ability to go, you know what? Let me pull that enchantment off of that, you know, for a minute. Yeah, Thor or, has or put ne- it back on. You know, Thor has never been shown to be able to use magic. That's that's the thing. Odin can use magic, and Odin can fight. Thor can fight. Loki can use magic. There's there's not right. Thor is not a sorcerer. Thor is Thor I mean, is one cool of those that. He, he rushes that, in with his hammer first. He doesn't. I mean, think the only thing stuff. that he could do close is wield lightning, and that's like an elemental right. power, not a magical power. Yeah, yeah, but that and that. So him being able to use a rune song to remove the enchantment and then to bring it back suddenly, it doesn't. It doesn't fit. When I when I read that part of this, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, see, I actually, I actually have no problem at all with with Thor. You know, if if they want to, if they want to throw into a story that you know that he knows enough about Asgardian whatever that he can use runes to whatever, open a portal or gain a new power for a minute or what. I have no problem with that. But this, this seems to be very counter to everything we know about him and Mjolnir at this point. That suddenly. He has the ability to remove Odin's enchantment from the hammer, and that to me just 
I'm sorry, Roy Thomas, that seems wrong to me. Like, you know, that that's not something he should be able to do. But then, you know what? I just thought of something, possibly a no prize for this. Um, I'm not sure where this is happening in Thor's personal history, but there's a comment made at some point here about um, he wasn't available because that, he wasn't. oh yeah on page oh wait that's 20, that, that's in the after one I think it is well there no, was there, a comment made where all right I'll be I'll be quiet no I'm sorry we're walking all over each other go ahead go ahead Bill no because there's a comment made in the Acts of Vengeance epilogue where he was talking about I was working as a laborer um, and I didn't hear the signal to call the fight. It, that's So that kind of gives us, I think he, this would be when he was... Uh, Sigurd Jarlson. Yeah, thank you. This is, this is when he had just met uh, Eric Masterson, but they were not joined yet. Hmm. So it was, okay, so it was had, the DeFalco Friends run, the start of that. Now, see, I'm pretty familiar with that, so I still don't understand. All right, so on page, uh, my scan is funny with the numbers. They're kind of cut off at the bottom. I think it's page 21. Third panel, Cap and Hercules are talking about the situation, and Herc is explaining that... Uh, Thor, you know, he's talking about the enchantment and he says, uh, I assumed it was a prayer. He says for, uh, he did, and he's talking about Thor. He did stretch his hands heavenward and speak in tones, my, uh, and speak in tones, mine own sire Zeus, uh, hath ever favored from his worshipers. And yet Odin is beyond hearing just now. Is he not? And that got me to thinking, is he saying that? Odin's dead at the moment, or uh, in the Simonson run, Odin and Surtur yeah fell into the, the the crevice and disappeared. They oh that's right yeah and yeah. Odin didn't come back until way late in the Falco Friends run. Right yeah that's right I forgot about that. Yeah you're right so yeah at this point he's kind of assumed dead. Right. And I So would that mean that well no, I mean unless he was actually because it has been established that when Odin actually dies that the Odin power goes to Thor. Right. But if he's not actually dead, then so I still I still maintain dead. Thor should not have this ability. I agree. I agree. That's it's beyond what we've seen of him so far, or has he even been hinted at for Thor up to this point? But playing devil's advocate, say that, okay, he does have this power. I, I still maintain that it was pointless for him to do this. Why, why the hell did he do it? Why did he remove the enchantment? Other than the fact that it plays into how the story resolves, what reason did he have to do it? How did he, How could he possibly know that that would be the way to resolve this fight with Terminus. Plot? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's that, that yeah, is the, the ultimately the issue, is, is if we could go back to when he did take this uh, enchantment off of it, and if there was a good reason to do it at that time, then it all makes sense. 
But if it was just done because you know what, later in the story I may need that that uh, <laughs> that as an a Deus Ex Machina, then no. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Tell you what, you guys keep going. I'm going to yeah. flip back to that Thor annual and have another look. Good and idea. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm missing something, but it just that feels like like a plot contrivance as opposed to something that was actually thought out. So on on the middle panel of this page, uh, Thor borrowed the face from Hank Pym earlier in the book. <laughs> But but, more but somebody somebody came along and was playing. I got your nose with him. <laughs> so he he manages to get his body uh, to land kind of hard on a planetoid as he uh, falls ever faster and plummet towards Thum. Cut Maybe back. He to just like he, he should have. Well, I mean, he landed on his head. Yeah. Well. Safest place for him to land sometimes. Yeah. So he, he, uh, <laughs> we cut back to the Earth. Now, did you, you, you guys have seen A Bug's Life? Yes. Oh, yeah. The first shot of Terminus there, he, <laughs> looks, like, he looks like the guy's, you fired! No, you fired! <laughs> <laughs> I do so, have to say... <laughs> For some of the uh, goofy stuff with the art, it is a nice touch that the heroes on the ground are doing what they can to save the people on the ground, functioning as heroes do, not just fighting the villain and beating them up. They're actually being heroic. They're protecting the people rather than engaging in the battle. And I do like the middle panel there where it shows basically Captain America and U.S. Agent doing the same thing with their respective shields, protecting Mm -hmm. people. Although, umbrella. although, aren't they? Uh, okay, the USA agent shield shouldn't be that color. It almost looks like they switch shields. Hey, maybe, they, shield, maybe they were messing around with each other. His, his shield was not blo- uh, red, white, and blue. I believe it was just red and black, and white. Yeah, well, it, it it could just be that it the the black is colored as blue. Yes. Because you notice the cap shield is red on the the outer rim, and mm-hmm. agent shield is blue or what should be black on the outer rim. So they're like Loki and Beale. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so She Hulk, yes. who you would think would be engaged in the battle with the main creature, is actually uh, ho- holding a building from collapsing on people. Mm-hmm. Well, the main issue is that Terminus is standing on the air, so she can't get to him. Yeah, yeah, because there's no flying Avengers who could like bring her to the battle, mm. or have a Quinjet. Well, that's the what the Vision's doing with uh, Hank Pym. They're just hovering there and talking. Don't don't bother me with your logic. <laughs> <laughs> now this is one one thing at the bottom of page fourteen that I like because as we talked about last time. Quasar did fight and beat Terminus before. So he said, hey, it worked before. Let's try it again. But it doesn't work because of the mass difference, which as as, uh, a creature's height doubles, their mass increases by a factor of eight. So that makes a lot of sense. And they don't have. I was told there'd be no math. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, I'm here. There's always math. So the fact that they try it, but it doesn't work, is great. Because, yes, he's more of a threat now, but at least they remembered the last time. It's not like a lot of... A lot of times when you have these big threats and, well, we beat him this way last time, but we're not even going to bother with that. Mm-hmm. We beat him before and we'll mm-hmm. beat him again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like that, too. I like when, when they do try the previous method, but now it no longer works. I kind of I kind of like that, you know, moving the character forward a little bit as far as the threat level goes. Mm-hmm. And again, just looking at the artwork here on this next page, uh, really not liking Quasar in the uh, middle panel of the bottom row. Not liking any aspect yeah. of it. Anatomy, face, details, nothing. Yeah, it, yeah it, it's, it's definitely wonky. Like, <laughs> something's, something's off there. Yeah, sure. his head got detached from his neck. It's too far back. It slid, yeah, it slid yeah. back and it was like the middle of his shoulder blades. Yeah. Yeah, that I can see that being kind of a rough sketch that just wasn't finished properly. Yeah, so that that would go to the thought that, you know, the sketch was rough, rough and the inking is letting it down. And mm-hmm. if you look, a lot of these panels have like no background at all. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is not, you know, not very impressive. Well, uh, they're in the sky. There, there is no background. It's nighttime. <laughs> that that it's <laughs> wrong on so many levels. I know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so in the, what this brought to mind to me was uh, in the the original uh, Galactus trilogy. Uh, in Fantastic Four, 48 through 40, what was it, 40, 48, 47, 48, and 49, uh, when Galactus is standing on the air and the mm. thing kind of knocks him down, but he just still floats. Waving his hands like he just don't care. Yeah, that's what it, but that, well, that's what it reminded me of, anyways. So they, they decide to bring him higher in the air. Can you put your backs into Avengers? Well, originally Quasar and the cosmically powered Spider-Man threw him out into space, so they couldn't do anything. So, but now they can't even move him. They're trying to push him up, but he's actually getting bigger as they're pushing, and he's not going anywhere. And biggerer. <laughs> That's, I'm sorry, I'm. I'm uh... I'm, I'm channeling a Tigger. <laughs> and then we get to the start of the Yodeling. <laughs> yeah, we, we cut to the next the next page. Thor wakes up on the planet with a, a little bit of a hangover, and and you know it just seems to me the dialogue seems overly dramatic here. Uh, hold, wow! I do remember all. I can speak <laughs> once more. What? Did it become oh, hold now. for walking? Yeah, it's wow. not wow, it's now. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna also I'm gonna also blame the letterer for not making it clear. That's okay. For, I thought it was wow too when I read so it. Oh, well, hello. So it's I can hold, speak. Hold now. I do remember all. I can speak once more. For as I had seen before, this planetoid had hath some slight 
Atmosphere. Now, how did he see the atmosphere? I don't know. Tis good, for without such there can be no words. And the next words which Thor shall utter may well decide the fate of a world. And that is the way he says it. And then he creates runes with pickup sticks. <laughs> South we... Wimbo, North Wimbo, <laughs> iPhone, Schmuck! <laughs> okay, it doesn't matter that there's an atmosphere on the planetoid because sound doesn't travel through frickin' space, so. It's magic. It's magic magic sound. Uh Okay, Joe Casada. We cut back down to Earth where... uh, Are we in Washington at this point? No, but I think Terminus is in for a big surprise. (laughs) You better not sit down. (laughs) Ow! That's a pinch! But we we still we still have a little arch there. <laughs> it's very very thin. Uh, it's just then, a little arch. It's a little place. It's a little bitty arch. <laughs> <laughs> and the All battle right. continues it, while it, Thor wait, wait, sings whoa, whoa, away. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't go past that picture at the end of page seventeen. Is that Quasar's O face? What the heck is that? <laughs> oh. I was hoping to get by that one. <laughs> I'm just like, what? Uh, anyway, moving on. Do, uh, did Wonder Man not know that he was an entirely an ionic being, being at this point? I, I don't think he did. Uh, well, no, I don't know about that, because this takes place after he was stuck at the bottom of the pool in that Avengers uh, issue we covered, the, the miniseries, the last issue of the four-issue original Avengers, West uh, West Coast Avengers. Oh, this is quite a bit after that. Yeah, so I yeah. think he did... I don't know. I, well, he, he knew he didn't have to breathe. That's true. That. I don't think he knew they yeah. was entirely ionic energy. Right, I, I, think, I always after. thought that came when after Heroes Return with Mark Wade and George Perez. Mm, possibly. Yeah. yeah, because doesn't Wanda bring him back? Yeah, she brings yeah. him back to bl- life, from and he's, he's kind of like from, he's made of Kirby he, crackable at that point. Because he yeah. was blown up in the uh, with the bomb that went off in the Kree homeworld, right? Who told was you to use a bomb? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, uh, so is so belt out some like he looks like he's a member of like the Christian metal group Striper. <laughs> Now, if, if we look at the bottom on, of page 17 on the left panel, that to me looks like he should be saying Ricola. Yes. <laughs> the hell with the devil! Little striper song there. And he continues to sing. Quasar and, uh, and Captain Marvel are doing their best to do something, and Thor is still singing. And then he, he, he looks like he's a... At the bottom of page eighteen, he looks like he's you know into the acid rock right there. Yeah, like, he like, he's like in a hair metal is band. It just, is it because the the uh, whatever these are supposed to be runes or whatever is it because they kind of look like musical notes that we think he's singing or yes. is he really singing? 
I don't know if he's really singing. He I could think be we're, chanting, we're just... praying. It could sound like singing, depending on your religious preference. Well, do you ever see like a movie <laughs> where they get somebody to sing a song who isn't really a singer, and he just kind of like speaks the song? You mean like Roll Think of William Boat? Or think, <laughs> think of William Shatner doing uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Think of William hey, Shatner hey, doing hey. anything. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man! Mr. Tambourine Man! Listen to him sing. <laughs> that That is exactly what Thor's doing on the bottom of page 18. <laughs> He's yelling, Mr. Tambourine Man. Hey, Mr. Odin Man, bring my hammer to me. In a quick flip back through that Thor annual, I could not find anywhere. And I, I don't even see in here where there was a sequence where he removed any enchantments or whatever. So maybe he removed so. it before that annual. Or maybe they just decided, oh, geez, we got to get him to get the hammer back. Let's <laughs> say that the, the enchantment was removed and he's putting it back. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'm calling bullshit on this whole uh-huh. thing. Danny, so, pour, Danny, pour me another bottle of wine and we'll figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> so page, top of page 19, Machine Man looks kind of annoyed. Like, oh, God. <sighs> Human humor. Humor. <laughs> I like that he flicks Wonder Man away. Which, mm. which does give you just an indication of the level of power that he has. Mm-hmm. So what was the next thing they said? All right, maybe if we all rush him at once from every direction, it'll overwhelm his force field and we can get through. You sure that will work? No, but the situation's getting desperate. Sounds good to me. <laughs> and they all attack him, and, and it looks like they get some level of success there. I think it's only because uh, Thor's hitting the high note. But well, I think it's the... kind of a combination of the two. Yeah. At least that's the impression nah. I get. Nah. Nah. It's all Thor. It ain't them. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're not doing anything. I I really feel they just kind of went along for the ride. Well, anyway. Either way. Ter- well, And you do see, like, Maybe. they hit him. And it looks like they hit him hard, but then in the next panel where he's going up into the sky, you see the the string of actually no, you see it on the first one too. That's the string of the string of rune notes hitting him. And then you get the Scott Gardner. So reaching the hammer. Sound effect, Scott. Would you please insert your sound effect here? <laughs> exactly. I now, is that, is that sound Thor coming City. from Terminus it's, or from it's Thor? It's the immigrant song from Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> So he goes up into the sky. Hercules salutes him. <laughs> and She-Hulk's got a, you know, look at this point it looks like she's got to lose a little weight in those thighs. You tell her that. Bottom of page 21. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. <laughs> USA agent is going, whew, deodorant. Do you use it? Oh, my God. She looks like she needs to wax that bikini line. That's what it looks like. <laughs> and what's her name? Uh, Big Bertha is looking at her saying, I'm glad I don't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> so so who, now who accompanies uh, Terminus into the sky? We have Star Fox, Everybody that was flying Cersei, around and gets Machine sucked up. Man, 
Captain Marvel, Iron Man. And if, at 22, doesn't Machine Man again have a derp face like, why am I here? <laughs> it's, that's, that's, honestly, it's terrible. It's a, it's, there's, there's too many faces in this, in this issue that you look at and you think, boy, that doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. I just realized that none of these people have to worry about breathing. There's all this stuff. That's There's pockets about... of air. There was pockets of air in the, that is mentioned in the story. There was tiny no, no, pockets I know, of air. Yeah, that... Thomas goes into all this explanation of the air, you know, pockets around them and all them, but none of these characters actually need that to survive, do they? Does Cersei need to breathe? I don't know. I would think not. She's an eternal, so I would think no, but I don't know. Well, maybe. You know what somebody once said. The air is the air. Well, the, <laughs> the air uh, is human. I, I remember one Avengers issue where they were fighting the Atlanteans, so they were underwater, and Cersei gave herself gills. So mm-hmm. she had to at least breathe there. So maybe she can hold her breath for a little while, but I would say Star Fox and Cersei have to breathe. Quasar can make his own force field. Machine Man's a robot. Iron Man has a sealed system. Wonder Man, we know, doesn't have to breathe. Captain Marvel. I thought in this Star Fox was a. He's a he's he an eternal. A he's a tight. He's a he's a Titan eternal. Yeah. He's Thanos' yeah, he brother, brother for God's sake. Yeah, he's a space-faring character, right? Yeah. I mean, doesn't he fly in space, or am I wrong? I don't think he does. Flies in oh, space. Okay. Uh, well, no, because he's flying. Ar- he flies around. He's isn't he flying around Terminus? Yeah, he's flying around Terminus with the rest of them when they were in St. Louis. He's zipping around. Yeah, but he's not. That's in St. Louis. That's not in space. Okay. He why should it make any difference? Well, if he has to breathe. <laughs> I don't think he has to breathe either. But the, 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 even if he doesn't have to breathe, they have a pocket of air around right. them, like in the little force fields that whatever. Plot, move on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, Terminus smashes into the asteroid because Thor's like, yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think this through. <laughs> But nay, that's as that's Thor for crap. So yeah, it smashes the planetoid, and uh, Terminus kind of looks like he's out of it. Then uh, Thor uh, at the end of the thing, I, I swear it looks like Thor is either doing walk like an Egyptian or flexing. <laughs> <laughs> Go what that way. <laughs> And uh, he tells Quasar to grab the lance, which he does, and does a quantum jump over by Alpha Centauri. So now Terminus is stuck. He can't move about with his little lance. And there's nothing around from to draw energy on except himself. himself. And boy, does he go through it damn fast. Yeah, Oof. that's that's Oof. the thing that seems a little strange to me like it, it, it almost should be 
that it should be, you know, we, we can just leave him here and slowly, he'll slowly devour himself because he can't get to anything else. But it, it doesn't feel feel like it should happen in, you know, the ma- a matter of minutes. Yeah. The last time when, when Quasar pushed him out into space, he was out off on his own, same thing, and he stayed there until Thor fought him in the Thor Annual. Why all of a sudden... Is it because he started absorbing energy I and he can't stop? Maybe it's because of his new form being so large. Uh, I don't know. Plot. Cue the Popeye song. He's large. I was just thinking <laughs> that. Uh, bottom of page twenty-five. Carmine Infantino showed up for one panel. Yeah. <laughs> With his rendition of Star Fox, and Aww. not the one from Nintendo. Dude, tell me that doesn't look like a Carmen, a, a Star Wars Carmen Infantino character. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking it. I'm saying that's what it looks like to me. Maybe the eyebrows. Dude, the eyebrows, the face, the finger in your face. Nah, Carmine's better than that. Ah, Herb Trippy's better than this. What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't Mjolnir just come out of Terminus? Why did it drag Terminus's ass all the way out there to the middle of nowhere in space? Yeah, it almost Why feels like it should have like just burst out of his chest. Burst out of him, yeah. Well, maybe it had to wait until he completely dissolved to be released from him. Or, oh, I, you know, I, I got to think that he, you know, like, Terminus was almost like kind of grown around him to the point where it was like solid, that it wouldn't just mm-hmm. burst out. Yeah, yeah I know. Still... That's, that's, that's <laughs> as good a no prize as I can give you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would. It would would not have been bad if, if if all of a sudden, like just before his moment of victory, Mjolnir just came bursting out and, <laughs> and he kind of like exploded that's, because of it. Yeah. No, no. That's what I thought was going to happen: is that he was going to get to that point where the Avengers were like, "Oh shit, we cannot defeat this guy," and he'd be like. <laughs> oh, 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 and it was like indigestion. <laughs> and, you know, and all of a sudden it popped out like a chest burster. That's how I thought, and that would have been an awesome ending to this. Oh you no! Know, not you, know, again. you know, <laughs> Thor did do that, kind of like that, to someone in the Infinity uh, miniseries. He was told he couldn't step foot on a planet with his uh, with his weapon. I can't remember which character he did it to, so he threw it off, and it like went in orbit around a local sun. And then while he's standing there, and yes. then this guy's berating him, and he just holds his hand up, and the hammer comes and flies right through the guy's chest into his hand. You remember that? Yeah. I was I like, do. oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, bottom of page 26 uh, on the left, I think Cersei needs a bikini wax. Maybe. <laughs> Something there. Not sure what that is. <laughs> I guess the panel just above, right there, with Thor. Sick old men. I'd be pissed too if somebody stole my nose. (laughs) (laughs) This is the second time today my nose is missing. His cape just magically disappears in the next panel. You know, okay, look, look what Thor says. It says, "Now, by the power that bound Loki to his rock and Fenris the Wolf, uh, and the Fenris Wolf in the Nether regions." Let the scattered atmosphere. Well, that hmm. see, I'm thinking if it is some type of a little bit of magic. I mean, yeah. but bounding up to rock could be elemental, but I'm not sure about 
about uh, banishing Fenris in the in the nether regions. But he's drawing all the air together so that the rest of the Avengers can breathe. Yeah, that line makes absolutely no sense if you know anything about no the sense. Norse lore. Yeah. <laughs> because Loki was bound to the rock. I thought he was a tree. No, no, no. No, this is... Um, or am I thinking of the comic book? You're thinking of the comic book. This okay, is that's right. When Loki finally was cast out and eventually caught, he was bound to a rock by the entrails of one of his sons. I got a rock. <laughs> I got an entrail. And Fen- Fenrir was bound by a chain that was made up of insubstantial things, like the uh, the sound of a cat's footfall, for example. My marriage? Oh, sorry. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> so... What he's saying here is complete and utter gibberish. This is Roy Thomas. Jib- just flip- <laughs> he's flipping through his copy of Kevin Crossley Holland <laughs> and saying that and that <laughs> and not even reading it. So he's like, uh, see, he's like uh, Steve Carell in uh, Bruce Almighty. <laughs> or he's like Thor singing the rune song. <laughs> <laughs> that's your fault Scott cause... <laughs> didn't, I'm trying to look up here and I'm, I'm just not seeing it but I thought didn't Roy Thomas write Thor at one point yeah in fact Roy Thomas wrote the whole Ring of Nebelung arc right. which, which yeah. is one, one of the better Thor arcs yes you know, that's what I thought. So he knew this stuff at some point. <laughs> yeah, it was 15 years before this, apparently. I don't know, Danny. You just write it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put my name on the top. <laughs> anyway, he helps them all get back to Earth, and they all lived happily ever after. That is the end of our story. What it's worth, but you know what? I didn't think. I and, wait, you know, wait, 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 wait. He's concerned about the atmosphere from the planetoid surrounding his friends and getting them back to Earth. That he's totally failed to notice there is no atmosphere on Earth in that last panel right there. <laughs> it all got ripped off when Terminus went up into space. I guess. Sorry, Paul. No anyway. problem. No problem. But, you know, I we started out and I was saying, you know, I kind of like the story. I, I didn't like the artwork, but I liked the story. I thought it had a, you know, I thought the overall presentation was enjoyable. Uh, you know, the problem is going through it with a, a closer eye. You know, we've, we've poked some huge holes, in, some terminus sized holes into it uh, that, you know, do take some of the enjoyment away, I have to admit. Uh, and, and overall will lower what I think my grade would have been just on, on a casual reading. So I, I thought this was a, a fun story as a casual reading. I think the artwork could have been vastly better than it was. But just story-wise, I thought it was a fun read until we started saying, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? 
And I don't think it's the overall sequences of the plot. I think it's the finer points of it where it just doesn't make sense and they needed to do a better job of explaining some of it. What do you think? I, I agree with you. My, yeah. But honestly, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I can take a lot of, you know, ridiculousness, a lot of plot oversights, a lot of doing things for the sake of, you know, the plot as opposed to logic. But what really bugs me about this story at the end of the day is I, I it always drives me nuts when you've got stories like this that build and build and build and build and build. And you think, oh, man, you know, it's this, this is going to be an epic thing. You know, the resolution of this is going to, you know, how the hell are they going to defeat this guy or how are they going to get out of this? And then they do it in like a quick, lame way. And that's exactly what happens here. Quasar fought this friggin' dude before and he defeated him in a certain way and then he just does it again. So why the hell didn't they do that from the beginning? If They, knew they tried. They weren't to... able to until Thor's hammer made the difference for them. Well, how does Thor's hammer make any difference with, with removing the staff from his hand? Because ultimately that's how uh, Quasar said he defeated him before and that's how he defeats him here again. It's just well, taking the lance out of his hand. So why the hell didn't they do that from the get-go? He had to be in space first, because if he's in space, the only way he can move is the lance. If he, if you take the lance away from him when he's over St. Louis, then he just grabs something from the ground and makes it into a new lance. I gotcha. Okay. You know, right, that makes sense. I and they guess. weren't able to remove him from Earth's atmosphere until Mjolnir helped them. So Thor had to sing. He had to sing! <laughs> to get it back to uh, to its enchantment. Okay, I can buy all of that, all right? So I, I stand corrected in that aspect, but I still haven't heard an explanation for how did Thor... Why did he remove the enchantment? How did he know that that was going to play into the resolution of this? Now, clearly, you this know, is I, this is this is disturbing you deeply because we've already gone over it and we've <laughs> said we have no idea. <laughs> But clearly it's bothering you yeah. at such a level that we can't move past it. it. It is because without that knowledge, the story doesn't work. At least for me, the story doesn't work. All that all that needed to happen here is, you know, in the portion of the either the portion of the story where Thor is telling the 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 reader a bald faced lie where he says, you know, I removed it in the prior and there's a footnote saying, see Thor annual. Well, I went back and thumbed through the annual. He does not do what it says he does here. It's a cheat. Liar. Um, um, unless it happens somewhere else and it does make sense. Yeah, I do I do think you, ha you have to kind of accept that there was a reason to remove the enchantment. We don't know what that was, but at the time it made sense. But, I mean, they have two opportunities. Thomas, I should say, has two opportunities to plug that gap and doesn't take it in either one of them. He could have done it when he's explaining, when he's thinking out loud essentially uh, about having removed the spell. He could have done it there and then he could have done it again uh, you know, later on. I'm thinking the perfect time for it would have been when he sees Terminus coming at him and you know, as you guys said, he has his, 
oh shit moment. <laughs> he could have been like, oh shit, that really worked, you know, you know, something like. But there's nothing. There's there's nothing to plug that hole. And yeah, well, yeah. you know, Roy Roy is you know a man of few words, and didn't you know he wanted to be terse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to accept that as a no price. Nope. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I just, I, I just kind of read it. With, eyes that that's not the case. I read it with the conceit that it was removed for a purpose. I don't know why, uh, but you know, when it when it happened, it made sense. Even though I have no idea when it happened or how it happened or why it happened. The funny thing is, is that. I thought there was a moment in that prior annual where where Hercules did observe Thor like praying or something, but I could not find it. And I mean, I flipped all back and forth through that annual, and I could not find that. Do you do you recall that? No, because I, I no, I honestly did. I I thought there I believe was a you. moment where where Thor or where Hercules uh, observed Thor like I don't know speak a you know, speak a, a spell or, or, you know, do a prayer. So I, I could swear that there was, but I don't see it unless it happened prior to this annual, in which case the footnotes are wrong. So I, I don't know, but it's, I guess it's not that important other than it just, that's what trips me up with ultimately mm-hmm. really, you know, digging the story more than, than I do. I, I thought the resolution was just, it was too pat. It was too easy. They built this guy up to be this huge world-threatening thing, and then all they have to do is take his toy away from him, and that's it. He's defeated. I'm like, really? Yeah. That was lame. See, I, 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 I'm, I'm on the other side of the fence from that because I thought the solution was good because they couldn't just defeat him. They they were, you know, except for the the, the hammer situation, they, they were coming up short when they were trying to defeat him, and they weren't able to. And then, you know, you had to have something. Ultimately, you have to have to come up with some way that he's going to lose. And, you know, I, I thought it was reasonably well done, except for the fact that why do you have the hammer in him in the first place? Like, what did he need that for? I don't know. Well, the only thing I can think is that if it's if he's supposed to be absorbing elemental energy, that's essentially what Mjolnir is. It's an embodiment of the lightning. So he probably that was a, a convenient source of energy for him to to get to get back to Earth and, and then complete his mission by merging with the other Termini or whatever it is. So that that's that's the only explanation I can think of is that it, it was convenient for a power source for him since he was out in space he didn't have any way of getting back without it. All right, we'll 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 go with that. I thought the Avengers used tele- telepathic earplugs. Or am I thinking of the Justice League? That's I mean, the Justice League. <laughs> the yeah, the Avengers. I they don't really have any. At least in this era, they didn't have any of that uh, super high tech way of communicating except the identicards. Right. Now I'm just, I mean, you know, specifically when they were out in space, mm-hmm. but cause I just read a story recently where the hero was commenting about, you know, 
or maybe there was an editor's note saying something about, you know, so-and-so is able to communicate with his compatriot in space because of telepathic, you know, earplugs or something. But I was thinking that was a, a Marvel story, but maybe it was a DC story. I can't remember now. I, I've been chewing through comics like a madman lately, so I, I'm, everything blurs together after a while. <laughs> Hell, it could have been Jonah Hex. I don't know. I don't <laughs> Hello. All right. So Hello. I guess I guess it's time to rate this now. Yeah. Before we fall asleep. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna jump on it first, and I'm gonna say the cover. Uh, while Walt Simonson like, I, I think we we had this discussion recently that I I really enjoy Walt Simonson's work, but I probably shouldn't because it just doesn't go with the styles that I generally like. So here's an instance where it's Walt Simonson style, but it's not as good as Walt Simonson. So I'm really not very crazy about it. Um, I, I think I don't like the angles that the people are at. I don't like the uh, the power beams coming off of him. It, it it really doesn't give me much detail. The St. Louis arch in the background doesn't look so great. I, I don't think this is a particularly good cover at all. And I'm going to say a, a C minus. Uh, the story, like I said, I thought it was entertaining when I was reading it, and it's just kind of dropped a little as we talked about some of the uh, the plot holes in it. So I, I'm going to say a C plus on the story. It was still enjoyable to me, but it just could have been so much better. And the artwork, there were precious few images in it that I really cared for. Uh, it wasn't unreadable because of the artwork, but it just wasn't good. Uh, there was no point in it where I where I thought it really stood out, and it, it pains me to think of Herb Trimpey that way. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a D on the artwork because it doesn't totally fail, but it's just not good. Uh, and overall, I'll give the book just a C. All right, Some, I guess I'll jump in here. <laughs> I'll jump in here. Uh, as far as the cover goes, yeah, you're right. It's Simonson-like, doesn't live up to Simonson. But it does show you the two characters that play the most important role in the story, which would be Thor and Quasar. Thor gets Hermes up out of the atmosphere, Quasar gets the power rod away, and that solves the entire thing. Uh, hey, hey, Quasar's carrying Captain America. He's holding his hand a little hand, yeah. see him? Because it's the Avengers. You have to have Captain America on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's... It would get me because it's got three of my favorite Marvel heroes on it. But even then, it's still only a C plus for me. You know, it, it would grab my attention, but yeah, the layout's a little weird. Uh... Terminus looks really odd, his facial expression. It's just, uh, I have no idea where that's coming from. So I'll, I'll say a C-plus on the cover. The story, there are some uh, several points I like. The Great Lakes Avengers being used as cannon fodder, because that's how the Avengers and West Coast Avengers would think of them, really. Trying what had worked before and it not actually working to get 
Terminus out of there. The fourth thing is kind of... doesn't fit, but you need some way to solve the issue of he's Terminus too big to push up. So I'm going to give the the plot uh, a C on the writing. Artwork-wise, I like Herb Trimpey. I, I like his Godzilla work. I like his Shonen Warriors work. You would think huge enemy that they have to fight, you know, showing the difference in scale and everything will be right up his alley. But this is, unfortunately, towards the beginning of his 90s-ish era, and that does not end well. So... There are some good poses. There are some bad poses. There are a lot of odd faces, like we talked about. So I'm going to give give that a C minus. It's it's not horrible. It's not great. And it's a little below average. So overall, I would give this story a, a C. Uh, all right. So yeah, Simon-esque cover. But not Simon, like everybody said. Um, see, the art. Uh, yeah. I really can't give it high. Some of it's really goofy. Some of the faces. Uh, sometimes just looking like not finished. Uh so mm, I don't want to go as hard as a, as a D, but I'll give it a C minus. Yeah, the story. Mm, I mean, we 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 can't figure out where this little magical singing doodad came from, even with Scott's intensive research during the episode. <laughs> uh, but it has its it has its good points. So, again, C. Overall, C. All right. Well, that just leaves me. I'm. You guys shock me about the cover because I love the cover. I think it's really dynamic. I think it's eye-catching. Uh, it, it sold me on picking up the issue, uh, really on the power of the cover alone. Um, it To me, it's like uh, Walt Simonson meets... Uh, like Paul Neary. I, I really like it. I think it's inked really well. I'm not sure who the inker is on this. I don't know if it's all Tom Morgan or if he's inked by somebody, but yeah, I like it. You know, According to the Marvel is, wiki, it just lists Tom, Tom Morgan as the artist. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think it's a great cover. Um, I'm actually going to give it an A minus. I, I think it's a really dynamic image. I love it. Now feel free to disagree, but I, I do. Okay, I I, I, really believe me. I do. <laughs> um, Interior of the book is where it kind of falls apart. I think the art is really bad. Um, I do not blame, uh, not solely anyway, um, Herb Trimpey because I, I, you know, like I said, I kind of dig Herb Trimpey. Um, there are a couple instances here and there where the art's okay, but overall the art's just, it's just an inconsistent mess. Sometimes the the inking is really light and sketchy. Sometimes it's way too thick, or you know, too many uses of black, or the lighting's weird. There's a, a panel here. Again, I can't quite get the 
the page number, but uh, there's a, a shot of uh, Hank Pym's face that's just weird and all crazy with the lighting, and he's doughy looking, and I don't know, it's, it's just really bizarre. Um, Art-wise, and of course the coloring doesn't help either. Art-wise, I'm going to go a, I, honestly, I think I'm going to go a D on the art. I think I think it's really bad. Uh, and then story, I'm going to go a D on the story as well. Um, I, I had, I was really digging this up until this issue, and between just some of the sillier things, between just being way too wordy and over explaining everything that everybody's doing, except the things that really needed to be explained. Um, and then just the quick and dopey resolution of, of this, you know, world threatening villain. I, I wanted to see this be more epic than it was. It's, you know, at the end of the day, well, let's get him out in space and take his toy away. Oh, and he's defeated already. And it's like, really? That was lame for you know four you know four annuals worth of buildup for this guy. And the thing with uh, with Mealdern is just unforgivable. Not only shouldn't Thor have been able to do this, but you'd get no explanation for why the hell he did it, other than the plot needed him to. And that's that's the worst kind of story writing to me. I'm sorry, Roy Thomas. I I really do like Roy Thomas. I'm sorry to shit on him, but in this instance, he just didn't think this through or something. So, yeah. Um, overall grade for the entire issue, I'll be generous and say a C. Um, but that's mostly just because I, I liked seeing all these characters together. Um, I kind of dig the... Uh, the Great Lakes Avengers, I always did. I, I'm always sorry to see them just treated like a bunch of ass clowns because I actually thought if you'd be serious with these guys and and present them as anything other than a bunch of morts, you know, together as a team, or stop treating them like the Legion of you know substitute heroes or something, that they were actually pretty cool. You know, I, I think they're a good mix of characters. I think they've got some really cool powers. Um, you know, change some of the goofier names. Like, isn't the pterodactyl lady, isn't she Dinosaur? Isn't that her name? Yes. Yeah, that's just stupid. Give her a real name, you know? <laughs> Something, you know, Big Bertha, you know? I don't know. It's just, well, you know, they're but created it, it, to be morts, though. This, this, you know, <laughs> to me, this is almost acceptable because that was their purpose. It's not like they were created to be serious by somebody and then a, then a different writer came along and disrespected them by turning them into morts. They were created that's, to that's be morts. True. Yeah, that's that's true. I'll, I'll give you that. That is true. But that said, I mean, I still I, I see a lot of cool potential with these characters. So, yeah. But I, you know, when you get a story like this, that's supposed to be weighty and serious, and you know, there, there's this huge threat and everything, bringing in the Mort team. You, I feel like you're almost obliged to treat them more serious because of the threat, if that makes sense. So bringing in the Mort team and then using them as Morts in this super serious story, just then you have a clash of tone that doesn't quite work. So I don't know. That, at the end of the day, I, th- I thought this this particular chapter of the overall story had a lot of problems. Um, I was I was really kind of digging the Terminus Factor up until this chapter, and the only thing that saves it, as far as it still being an okay read, is honestly it's just the you know all the characters you know thrown together in this you know this this huge assemblage. That's still cool. It's it's neat to see both uh, you know well 
all three Avengers teams all together, you know, fighting for a common cause. And, you know, there are little moments that are cool, too. You know, uh, you guys pointed out, you know, where Cap and uh, U.S. agent are, you know, protecting the citizenry while the big guns are fighting the monster. That, you know, that's cool. I like stuff like that. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a total loss. You know, it's it's it just it was a disappointing ending that, you know, to a story I was digging. So. Yeah, but overall, I have to say, I, I still enjoyed the process of going through the uh, annuals crossover. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, and, and I feel this was a pretty worthwhile project that we did, and I wouldn't mind at some point maybe doing it again with, you know, Atlantis Attacks or something like that. I, I tell you, you know, over the years, I have saved, you know, as, as different annuals have fallen into my lap that normally I wouldn't care to, to have or collect or to, to keep – I've saved certain ones just because I liked where Marvel started doing um, events and like mini crossover events in the annuals. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the name of it, but there's one where I just picked up the final piece of the puzzle that I needed. It was a three-way crossover between the Punisher, Captain America, and Daredevil, I think. You know, stuff like that, you know, those those, you know, short little crossover in the annual. I, I'd love to do more of these just because I, I have so many of them that, you know, I have collected or I'm still working on collecting. Of of having them to you know to sit down and read one day type of thing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for doing more of them. Yeah, Good so or bad, they're fun. <laughs> yeah, we might get to that at some point or get to another one. But in the meanwhile, that is it for the Terminus Factor. And I don't know if this inspires anybody to pick up these issues or not. And <laughs> I am on the fence as to whether or not, like if somebody said to me, would you recommend that I pick it up? I'm on the fence. I don't know if I would recommend it or not. If you can find them in the 50 cent bin, I would recommend them. Beyond yeah, I wouldn't, that, I wouldn't pay yeah. significant money for them. That's for sure. But I don't. If you can find a 50 cent bin. I was going to yeah. say, I don't. <laughs> I don't have access to any 50 cent bins in general, so I would say if you can find it in the one or two dollar bins, you know, yeah, it's probably okay. All right, so anyway. now on to uh, a few minutes with Andy Rooney, right? Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just want to take a second to thank you, Gene, for joining us for the last two of these. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's always good to uh, cover Quasar appearances. And it's always good to have you on the show. So uh, everyone's happy. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show. And we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. 
sit, Ubu, sit. 